few weeks ago, I started a series and I told you that in that series, I wouldn't be doing it every single week, but I would kind of be hit and miss as I feel led. So I've, I've done really two sessions. The first one was what's going on with people. And then when people get together, what's going on with society? I laid a foundation that really is what we will move forward off of. So if you missed either one of those messages, I encourage you to go back and listen to them so you understand the flow of what we're teaching. Because we're in a really unusual season in life, our nation's life, the church world. So much has changed the last few years. So we want you to know as a church, here's what we believe from Scripture. Here's why we believe it. And here's how we as the Bridge Church are going to move forward into the future. So today, uh, I want to talk about the family. And really, I'm going to focus on parents and children or children and parents. And I'm glad that Bridge Youth is here today. And if Pastor Corey was up here, Pastor Corey would say, we're here to... Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait, whoa, 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 that, that was weak. Yeah, but I'm going to help you out, Corey. I'm going to teach you something today. Bridge Youth, we're here to build you up, not you There you go. So how about that? See, Pastor Corey learned something today. But let me give you a couple disclaimers that go into this series. And I need to do this real quickly in case you haven't been here and haven't heard this. The first is, we teach God's word as we understand it. And we think it's pretty clear in scripture. Get into the book of Revelation, there's a lot of opinion. You get into certain topics, there are a lot of opinions. But basically, God's word is pretty clear in what it says. So we teach it as the word of God. We teach the Bible as the word of God. So in doing that, i got to tell you, number one, I'm the pastor of the Bridge Church. I am the authority, the spiritual authority over this church. And I don't have any authority in any other church in town. Different churches may see some things a little differently, teach it a little differently. I'm simply going to tell you what the Word of God says, and you can take it and move from there with your family and, and your group. So that's how we do things. I don't badmouth any other pastor. I don't badmouth any other church. What they do is between them and God. Second thing, because we teach the word of God, there are things that the Bible teaches that are contrary to what society is promoting today. So listen, when I say things that, well, I'm not sure that's what's going on in our world, or I don't really think this, or I don't, simply go to God's word and look at it and and understand this. We want to show people how to learn the word of God and walk with God. That's what we're trying to do. How to walk with God. If you hear something in there that we teach and you say, well, you know, I think society's right here, this and that and the other. Please understand, we are not haters. We love people. We're trying to help people find relationship with God, get connected with God so his word can shape our lives. So if you hear something that you think, well, that's countercultural, that's okay. Don't get mad and call us haters. Just call us Bible believers. Okay? We'll all get along just great. Now, we live in a society, I want to start with this. We live in a society that is working to destroy the traditional biblical family. 
The biblical family, traditional family, is under assault in our society today. The question is, why is that? Why is that? Number one, God established the institution of the family. Go back to the beginning of time. Go back to the book of Genesis. When God created Adam and Eve and then they began to produce children, God created the family. The family was God's idea. Marriage was God's idea. Raising children, it was God's idea. God instituted the family and the home. Now, I don't want to go back and reteach it, but in our series, we talked about the fact that Jesus said that there are two kingdoms at work in this world. There's the kingdom of the world of which Satan is the king of that kingdom. And then there is the kingdom of God. Jesus prayed for us, prayed for disciples then, prayed for us today and said, Father, I don't ask you to take them out of the world, but I ask you to keep them in the world and sanctify them. Set them apart from the world kingdom and set them apart by your word because your word is truth. So the truth of God's word is what separates us and gives us a different lifestyle than the kingdom of the world. So the kingdom of the world, society at large, is fighting against trying to undo, unravel, and destroy God's idea of what the family was and what the family should be. God instituted the family for a purpose. The family, the home, was established by God to produce and then nurture the next generation. I want to start with that today, okay? God created the family for a purpose. It was to produce or reproduce and then nurture the next generation. And God intended for every generation to be a healthy generation, body, soul, and spirit. Totally healthy. Now, having said that, let let me just spend two minutes talking about marriage. I'm not going to teach on marriage today. I'll save that for another time. But God instituted the idea of husband and wife and marriage. It goes back to the beginning of time. In Ephesians chapter 5, Paul talked about husband-wife relationship. Then in chapter 6, which we'll get to later, he talked about parent-children relationships. Here's what he summed up when he said in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 33, Paul said, nevertheless, let each one of you, speaking to men, each one of you in particular, so love his own wife as he loves himself. And let the wife see that she respects her husband. Now, let me just spend a couple of minutes here because it's really important. If you go back and read this verse in context, Paul talks about husband-wife relationship, and then he makes this statement. He said this whole thing of marriage and two people becoming one flesh, he said it's a bit of a mystery, and a lot of people don't really get their minds around it. But he said, think of it this way. It's a picture of Christ and the church. So what he's saying is, husbands, love your wives As Christ loved the church. How many men in the house will lift a hand and say, I'm still working on that one. Got a ways to go. Learning to love my wife and treat my wife the way Christ loves and treats the church. I got a ways to go. By the way, if you didn't raise your hand right now, you're in trouble when you get home. 
All right. So let me ask it one more time. How many men say, yeah, I, I'm working on that one. I still got a ways to go. All right. There you got your past. Now, here's the second part of that. But he said, wives, respect your husbands. And it doesn't say it in these exact words, but using this illustration, the church is the bride of Christ. And if he says, husbands, love your wife the way Christ loves his bride, then he says to the bride, and you respect the husband the way the church respects the leadership of Christ. Now, that's important, and I'll show you here in just a moment. Love and respect is the foundation for a healthy marriage. And we, husbands and wives, we are accountable to God for how we navigate marriage. And a healthy marriage will create an atmosphere that will produce healthy children. And the opposite is also true. An unhealthy marriage creates an atmosphere that raises unhealthy children. And what children see modeled by parents and what they experience at home will shape their lives forever, both good and bad. Now, here's what Solomon said. Proverbs 20, verse 7. The righteous man walks in his integrity... And his children are blessed after him. So if we live godly lives, if we live a life of integrity, a life of morality, a life that honors God, our children will see it and they will follow in those footsteps. Those are the words of Solomon. Now, I want to take just two minutes and I want to talk about some of the challenges facing the family and especially children today. I'm not going to spend a lot of time here because I've already touched on some of this in the series, but I want to bring up a few things to you. Number one, one of the challenges children are facing is they're living in a society in moral decline and in moral denial. Moral decline, moral denial. There, there are no absolute morality issues today. Morality, it's out the window. Whatever you want morality to be, you make your own moral system. That's what society now teaches today. And it's contrary to the word of God. But our children are growing up in that society. Second thing, and listen closely to how I say this. Many of our educational systems are focused on indoctrinating children, not educating children. Now, I, I'm, you know, you, you, you even raise that and in, immediately people start thinking politics. I'm not talking politics. Just hear me out today. Several years ago, we had a Christian attorney come to church on a Sunday morning, and we had him share about some things happening in our state. It was back during the time when we were wrestling as a state with marriage and how you define marriage. And he shared that day. He showed a video clip of someone who interviewed a, uh, an executive in one of our state teachers unions. I won't say which state it was because that doesn't matter this morning. But they interviewed this person and they asked this person, so what is the goal in the future for educating our children? And this person looked at this interviewer and said, we are not here to educate your children. We're here to indoctrinate your children. We're here to teach them to think differently about life, not to educate them on the facts of life. Number three, the entertainment world is set today and focused 
on stealing our children's innocence. Think about that. Everything you may teach your child about right and wrong and godliness and morality, it can go out the window with a lot of the things produced by media today. And and then the last thing, peer pressure. Your children, our children, children and grandchildren, they are under so much pressure today. There is peer pressure on them and they want to be accepted by those around them. It's always been that way. But I think there's more pressure today than ever before. And a couple of things we need to tie into that. I mentioned this a few weeks ago. In America today, sex and sexuality has become an idol in our culture. Sex and sexuality is an idol. It's a god for a lot of people in our culture today. And they want everybody else to be indoctrinated to their god. Another thing that we need to be aware of with our children is we live in a world today where we're teaching our kids, if you're not rich or famous, you're nobody. I'm going to talk about the church in a few weeks. I'm even going to talk about pastors when we get to that, okay? There are a lot of people who are so hung up on being rich and famous that we've lost sight of how does God want us to live our lives and raise our children. So having said that, and and by the way, I didn't say this up front. I mean, I'd get a lot of amens today, but that's all right. It won't be the first time in my life I didn't get a lot of amens, all right? So let's talk for a few minutes beginning in Psalms 127, about the scriptural responsibility of parenting. The scriptural responsibility of parenting. Just as a husband and wife have responsibilities in marriage and we answer to God for how we do that, it's the same with parenting. There are responsibilities given to us and we're accountable to God for how we raise our children. Now, Psalms 127, beginning at verse 3, I want you to notice these verses. Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord. I'm going to pause there a minute. For those of you, like my daughter-in-law, Ashley, who are about to have children, that child is God's kid first. Okay? It's the heritage of the Lord. I hope it looks like Ashley and not Zach, but it's still the heritage of the Lord. <laughs> Had to have a moment of levity here, okay? It's getting, getting, getting dark in this room. Children of the heritage of the Lord, the fruit of the womb is a reward. God says, I'm going to reward you for your adulthood. I'm going to give you an opportunity to touch the future. You see, parents and grandparents, we need to understand, long after we're gone, we can touch the future based on how we raise our children and our grandchildren. But children are God's heritage. They may have your eyes and your your spouse's nose and somebody else's big ears like me, but you know what? The bottom line is, it's God's child first. And God loves that child more than you do, so we need to take on the responsibility of raising that child. Verse 4. It says, like arrows in the hand of a warrior, so are the children of one's youth. Happy is the man who has his quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed, but shall speak with their enemies in the gate. See, what the Lord is telling us here in these words is, when I give you a child, it's my heritage too. It's my heritage first. And you need to help that child find their giftings, their callings, and pursue those callings and let them be what I created them to be, not try to make them be what you want them to be. 
because I've gifted them for a reason and for a purpose. So we carry the responsibility of helping our children become what God created them to be. And let me throw one thing else into the mix here. If I bring a child into the world, God holds me responsible for that child's welfare. For the next 18 or 20 years. I like, I like to say it this way. If you bring a baby into the world, you become its servant for at least 20 years. How many of you would say, I've been going 32 and I'm still trying to get him out of the basement? You know, I, we, we know about that. That's life. You have a responsibility to raise responsible, godly adults. So let me just talk about three things real quickly. Three things that we need to know about the parental responsibility with children. I'm going to go back to Ephesians chapter 6. I quoted from Ephesians 5, the end of the chapter about husbands and wives. Now we're going to look at children, what Paul wrote here in Ephesians 6. Verse 1. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Children, obey your parents. How many... How many parents of teenagers are glad Pastor Gary's got the youth in here hearing this this morning? Huh? Bridge youth, you got really quiet all of a sudden over there. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. He goes on to say, honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may may be well with you and you may live long on the earth. Number one, parents... It's your responsibility. It's our responsibility to teach our children obedience and authority. Because people are going to be under somebody's authority all of their lives. You can shun authority, but you can go to prison. You can shun God's authority, but you'll stand before him someday and give an account for your life. Everybody will be under authority all the days of our lives, whether we want to submit to it or not. But it's interesting. I love the parents' response a minute ago. Children, obey your parents. The parents start clapping. Let me ask you a question. Where do you think they're supposed to learn that? Not at church. Not at school. Where do, where do children learn about respect, honor, authority, obedience? Where do they learn that? They learn it at home. At home. And it's our responsibility as parents to teach our children to listen, to understand, and then to obey. Not just to listen, not just to understand, but listen, understand, and then it's our responsibility to see to it that they obey. It's also our responsibility to teach our children respect. For authority. It's our responsibility to teach them respect for authority. Now, we have a problem in our society today, and I don't know exactly how, it, how we, it's evolved, but it has. A lot of parents want their child to be their best friend and their buddy and to like them. You know, when my children were little, there were days they didn't like me. Those days I made them mow the yard. Those days I made Zach pull weeds. He hated me. Zach hates to pull weeds. I hope he's teaching Waylon to pull weeds. 
Because otherwise the weeds won't get pulled at his house. Because Zach hates pulling weeds. But, but here's the point. Here's the point. The goal is to teach your children honor, respect, and obedience for authority. Not just to like you. So what do we do? We give our children everything they want, everything their little heart wants. Why? We want them to have everything so they will like us and be our buddy. You know what? There's a good side of that, but there's also a wrong side of that. If we're failing to teach our children honor and respect, we're missing the boat. The second thing that we need to be teaching, Ephesians 6, 4 says this, and you fathers... Do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. Bring them up, raise them from the time they're little until they get out of the house. Bring them up in the teaching and admonition of the Lord. I'm going to sum it up this way. It means teaching and modeling godly principles but teaching and showing the way God teaches and shows us. Let me give you an illustration of this. This is an old illustration. Maybe you don't hear this as much as you used to. When I was a kid, parents would say, okay, I want you to do this and do it now. And what was our response? Why? And what did mom or dad always say? Because I said so. I hated that. I hated that. Now, there's truth to that. I needed to learn to honor that. But I also deserved an answer as why I needed to honor that. We need to teach our children as God teaches us. Not just teach principles, not just demand things, but explain why they need to learn these principles. We need to teach what God's Word says, and we need to teach it and model it as God has modeled it in our lives. You can't teach principles without loving your children. You've got to put that into the mix. So I want to ask you a question today. What are your children being taught? Do you know? Do you know what your schools are teaching? Are the lines of communication open? Do you know what they're teaching? Do you know what they're hearing? Do you know what they're believing? We as parents are responsible for our children's hearts and our children's lives. You know, when I was in school, and I, and I know it's been 14, 15 years ago now, but when I was in school, teachers and school systems, even non-Christians, they never challenged morality. But today, to some extent, in a lot of schools, that's changed. We need to know what our children are being taught. I promise you, Pastor Corey could stand here and tell you all kinds of stories of things that our kids have been taught and believe that are contrary to Scripture. We need to know what our children are being taught. Let me illustrate a couple of things to you. I mentioned this a few weeks ago, but I think it fits in well here. There's a school district in Southern California that is now teaching grade school children that there are at least 10 different genders. Grade school children. A lot of us didn't know that. I saw just this week, the Air Force Academy is now teaching cadets that they should not refer to mom and dad. They should use other pronouns that won't offend other people. 
Now, let me ask you a question. Do you know what your children are being taught? We need to know because it's our responsibility to know. Third thing that I think is a responsibility from Scripture that we all need to understand is we need to raise our children understanding we will live countercultural lives. Romans 12, 2. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. We need to teach our children to think differently, to act differently, to live differently, and not let society mold them, but only be molded by the word of God and what God says about them. We need to teach that to our children. We need to teach. We are in the world. They are in the world, but we're not of the world. We will live differently. And that's a good thing. It's a good thing to be different than the world. And and then the last part of this message, Deuteronomy chapter six. How many are glad you're in second service today? You should be because I went long first service and I'm on time this service. So you should be glad you're here. Deuteronomy chapter six. We talk about responsibilities of parenting. It's a big job. Every generation, it gets more and more difficult in the world we're living in. It's not impossible. It's just challenging. It's difficult. And it demands more of us. So we talk about the challenges our children are facing. And I just mentioned a few of them. The big question is, how do we do this? How do we deal with these challenges? How do we raise godly children? You know, Jesus said we need to be hearers of the word and then doers of the word. Not hearers only, but hearers and doers. You know, sometimes we preach messages and we talk about things that are wrong and things that are broke and this is bad and this is bad. We never talk about how to fix it. I'm going to give you some things in closing this morning that I think are really important for us to understand. Deuteronomy chapter 6, this is back in the Old Testament. I'm going to begin reading at verse 4. God is about to take the nation of Israel or the people of Israel and make them a nation, put them in their own homeland, and he gives them instructions. And he says, I've given you first what we would call the Ten Commandments, and then I'm giving you other civil law to govern the society. And he said, you need to take this law and teach it to your children and learn to live by it. Here's what he says in verse 4 of Deuteronomy 6. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. We need to be teaching our children that there's only one God. It's the God that we serve. There are other things that claim to be gods, but they are little g gods. They're not the God. There's one God. Our children need to know that. Verse 5. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. Shouldn't that be the goal of every follower of Jesus? To love the Lord with everything you've got. Body, soul, strength, everything. You love the Lord. Verse number six, he goes on to say, And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. He said, get it beyond here and get it in here so it motivates and shapes your heart. The psalmist said, guard your heart because out of your heart are shaped the issues of life. How you live life, how you navigate life, it comes from here. So God says, get my word in your heart. And notice, beginning at verse 7, these verses. You shall teach them diligently to your children. 
You shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Now let me take just a minute and break this down. What God said to Moses was, I'm giving you laws. They're going to bring blessing to your life. But you got to teach them to your children. And then your children have to teach them to the next generation. So you got to get it not just in their heads, you got to get it in their hearts. And here's what he said. You teach it diligently by teaching it all the time. And he said, it's got to get to the place where your hands, your actions are motivated by God's commandments. It's got to get to the place where your worldview is shaped by looking through the word of God. And it's got to get to the place where God's word siphons out and strains out everything that comes into your home and your family. Many years ago, I was on a missions trip to Africa and I met a minister on that trip and he was showing me pictures of his family. And he showed me his picture and he had three beautiful teenage daughters and one younger son. And he was showing me the picture of his family. I said, man, those are beautiful daughters. He said, thank you. And so knowing me and my personality, jokingly, I said, how do you keep the boys away from them? And he said to me, it's simple. My girls have been told since they're little that I am the door to this house and nobody gets in my house unless I say it's okay. So if they're going to date a boy, he doesn't pick up on them at school. He comes to the house and he meets me first. And he said, I meet them on the doorstep on the front porch of my house and I interview them right there. And if I don't like them, I send them home. And he said, if I do like them, then I let them come in and spend time with my daughters. But he said, I am the door to my house. That's the responsibility God has given me. And I don't let anything in my house that doesn't honor God. You know what? Our homes would be a lot better off if we lived that way. Our homes and our families would be more healthy if we live that way. So three things. Number one, put God at the center of life. Always. Always. Put God at the center of life. If God is at the center of life, everything revolves around God and his word. That's the way God wants us to live. And I want to throw in a little footnote here. Parents, we love your kids. We've got bridge kids. We've got bridge youth. We love your children. But the church exists to reinforce what you're teaching at home. We're not here to save your kids. We're here to reinforce what you're doing at home. If you think the church exists to salvage your kids, just stop and think about it. Most kids, we get them one or two hours a month. The school gets them how many hours a day in a week? Television, different things, entertainment gets them how many hours a week? The church doesn't exist to save your kids. The church exists to reinforce what you're doing at home. Well, it's quiet here today. Is this mic on? Thank you. Got a grandpa back there, evidently. He knows. Put God at the center of life always. Number two, talk about God to your children. 
Talk about God to your children. It's interesting what God told Moses. He said, tell them when they get up in the morning, talk about God. When you're at home, talk about God. When you're traveling, talk about God. When you go to bed at night, talk about God. Some of you say, well, I, I, don't, I don't know enough to talk about God. Well, then get a Bible, start reading and learn. But you need to talk to your kids about God. Let them know God's the center of everything. Talk to your children. When my boys were little, one of the things that we did right was every night when they were just young boys, pretty much every night, we had a little book of Bible stories, short stories, Daniel in the lion den, David and Goliath, that kind of stuff. You read a three-paragraph story, and then you ask two or three questions and make the boys answer the questions. You talk about the story, any questions they've got. And then when we finished, we prayed with the boys every night. And my boys learned the basic principles of God's Word from that little book of Bible stories. Parents, we need to be talking to our kids about God. We need to be telling them the truth so they know how to deal with lies. And we need to be doing it every day, continually. Well, that's legalism. No, it's not. It's truth. It helps. Number three, last thing. Pray with your children. Regularly. I mentioned when my boys were little, we'd read those Bible stories every night. And the last thing we would do would say, is there anything you want to pray for? Sometimes we would pray, sometimes the boys would pray. We taught them to pray when they were little. One of the great joys of my life, when my boys are in grade school, they were at that time attending a, a small Christian school, the teachers would tell us, boy, when we have class prayer, we love to have your boys pray because they know how to pray. You know how kids learn to pray? By us showing them how to pray. By us telling them how to pray. It's our responsibility as parents, that's the only way to keep them healthy in a world where their culture is promoting the satanic culture of his kingdom. Keep talking to your kids. Keep the lines of communication open. Ask them questions about what they're learning at school. If they bring up a topic, ask them more questions. If you're concerned about something they say, get them to talk to you. Help them to understand what's right and wrong, what is truth, and what is a lie from the enemy. Keep the communication lines open with your children, knowing what's going on in their lives. I'm sure in this service today, some people my age who are looking back saying, wow, I, w- I wish I'd done some things differently. Some of us might have some regrets. Some of us might feel ashamed for where our kids are. A lot of emotions might be running through our hearts right now, and we're, we're wondering, well, what do I do? First of all, there's no condemnation in Christ. There's no condemnation in this word today. Do not look over your shoulder and say, I coulda, shoulda, woulda. Don't, do not do that. Stop where you are and look forward and say, This is what I'm going to do now. Please hear me. Please hear me. This is what I'm going to do now. Children become adults. And when they do, they make adult decisions. 
One of the most painful times in my life was when I realized my boys had a sinful nature. Broke my heart because they did some things that I wouldn't have done. Hurt me. And I came to the realization, they're adults now. They don't just answer to dad, now they answer to God. And they have to work out their life and their relationship with God. They became responsible for their own lives. Some of us are still hurting, trying to be responsible for our grown children's lives. Stop doing that. Stop doing Stop trying to be responsible for your kids' lives. You say, well, what do I do? Do what Moses' mother did. When you've done all you can do, put them in a basket and lay them on the riverbed and say, God, I put them in your hands. I'm going to keep them covered. I'm going to do all I can do, but that's as far as I can go. I put them in your hands and then start praying over them. Every day, every night, pray over those children. Keep the front porch light on. Let them know they're welcome. Don't run them away from home. Keep the light on so they'll come home and keep the love of Jesus on your doorstep until those kids come home. I want, I want to pray for you this morning. I want to pray for every family, every, every child, mom, dad, grandpas, grandmas. Bow your heads if you would. Let me pray a prayer blessing on you today. Father, I ask you to bless the families of the Bridge Church. Everybody who hears this today, in service, online, or wherever they might be. God, I pray you'd bless them today. I pray you'd bless their families, their homes, bring strength and clarity and purity to their homes. Give them wisdom how to raise those children and give the children a heart to listen and to learn your ways. God, ultimately, we want to walk in your ways and we want to see every generation blessed. In Jesus' name, I ask it. While heads are still bowed, maybe you're here today and Maybe you've listened to this and you realize, you know what? I, I want God's blessing in my life, but I'm not really in relationship with God. Maybe you've never asked Jesus Christ to become the Lord of your life. Or, or maybe you once knew him, but you've just taken off down the wrong road and you feel like you're the prodigal. I'll tell you something. God loves you so much, he put his own son on a cross to forgive your sins and bring you back into his family. But he needs you to say, I'm in. So I want to pray a prayer today. And I'm going to ask you to just wrap your heart around this prayer. Wrap your faith around this prayer with me today. Father, in Jesus' name, I lift these people to you. And I pray that we would come to an understanding that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. He's the Savior of the world. He died for our sins. You raised him from the dead because he paid the sacrifice for our sins. Now he reigns forever and we accept Jesus as our Savior. We choose Jesus to become the Lord of our lives. God, we ask you to teach us your ways. Show us your paths because we want to follow you. From this moment on, we confess the Lordship of Jesus over our lives. He's our Savior and he's our Lord. Now we're your children. We'll follow you. Teach us your ways in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Before we finish, if you prayed that prayer, that's the greatest, greatest prayer you can ever pray. But it's just the first step. It's not the end of the journey. It's the first beginning of the journey. 
We want to help you on that journey of faith. We've got a little booklet we'd love to give you called The Next Seven Days. It's just simple reading for the next week to get you started walking with God. When service is over, we encourage you, walk up to one of our prayer teams, ask for the booklet. They'll give it to you, no strings attached. If you want to ask questions, you want prayer for something else, they're here to help you. Out in the lobby, as you exit the building, if you're in a really big rush, there's a counter set up right in the middle between the glass doors. You can stop by there and get the same booklet We simply want to help you get started walking with God. If you're watching online, instructions are on the screen as how you can receive that booklet as well. Let us help you get started walking with Jesus. Can we put our hands together and welcome new believers into God's family? God bless you today. Now we're almost finished. Not quite, but almost. And I am five minutes late today. Turn to somebody and say, Pastor's five minutes late today. One last thing I want to say before Pastor Zach and Ashley come. Every two years when we vote, I'm always at a loss when it comes time to vote for water district members and school board. I told first service, we've got a guy in our church, he's a lobbyist for the water district, so I call him and say, who are these people, what do they believe? I call other friends, what does this person believe, what do I do? Most of the time, people say, I don't know. Most of us vote for school board members and have no idea who they are, what they believe. We just write in the name of the person or mark the person's name that we've seen the most posters around town. There are a group of people who claim to be God-fearing family-promoting people who are running for school boards in Temecula and Murrieta. They put together a promotional card. I'm not endorsing any of these candidates, but they've got email addresses, they've got personal addresses where you can reach out to them and touch base and find out what they believe and what they'll promote as school board members. Parents, you need to know who you're voting for for your school board members because they're making determinations on what your children are going to be taught. So I'm not telling you who to vote for, but I'm telling you, as you leave today, the ushers are passing out these cards. It gives you an idea of people you can contact to find out what do you believe and what are you going to be teaching my children. I encourage you to find out what's going on and vote accordingly because our world is where it is because this is what we voted for as a whole. I'll get into that another Sunday, okay? Hey, God bless you. Give Pastor Zach and Ashley a good hand. Can we thank Pastor Gary for that message this morning? I just want to say I'm family and he's my dad, but I appreciate you having the boldness to speak up and say all that this morning. Thank you so much for sticking to God's word and telling the truth on these things. You know, this is a point in our service. We're just going to take a moment to honor God by bringing our tithes and our offerings into the house. And this is an act of worship. It's something that we do out of obedience just to say, thank you, God, for being so good to me, for being my source and being my provider. And as one of the pastors here, this is my opportunity to say thank you. Thank you all so very much for your faithfulness, for your continued consistency and just honoring God by bringing your tithes and offerings into the house. We recognize that we get to do what we do here in the valley because of this partnership, us partnering together and partnering with God to see to it that the ministry of the gospel continues to go forward through this local church. So thank you.
you so much for what you do to make that happen. On the screen, there's a few different ways that you can give digitally this morning. If you'd like to do that, if you'd like to give an in-person gift, there's envelopes there on the seat back, so you can just grab one of those. You can fill it out and choose the method that's most convenient for you. You can drop it at one of our giving stations. There's two right before you exit this room, the auditorium on either side of the exit doors. There's also one outside near the kids' first-time check-in area. But again, thank you so much for your generosity and your giving. We are incredibly grateful to get to partner with you. Then we want to tell you very quickly before we go about two important things that are coming up. Listen, two weeks from today, we have team night happening on Sunday night at 5 p.m. And maybe you've been to team night before. This is one of the funnest nights that we get to do as a church. We celebrate all of you who serve in our church. So if you serve on any team in any area of church life, we would love for you. We want you to be here two weeks from tonight at 5 p.m. We're going to be serving you dinner. We want to honor you, say thank you, and appreciate you for all that you do. Not only that, but we're going to just have some time of inspiration when we talk about where we're going as a church. And we're also very excited because we have a very special guest that's going to be joining us and sharing that night. Uh, Joel Holm is going to be with us all weekend on October the 9th. So we're excited about that. But we would encourage you, if you serve on any team, jump on your phone right now, go to the Bridge app and register for team night for that evening so that we can plan for you, for your kids, and serve all of you dinner, honor you, and inspire you with where we're going as a church. It's going to be a great night together for all of us who serve here at the bridge. What else is going on? Hey, we've got child dedications coming up on October 16th during our 1130 service. So if you and your family, you want to be a part of that and dedicate your children to the Lord, you can head to the Bridge app and you can register them there. As soon as you register them, you'll get all the information and details that you need. And then finally, before we go, hey girls, if you are part of a Bridge Women Connect group, we've got some resources for sale out here in the lobby. And if you have yet to pick up your journal and your scripture cards to help you through the series that we're going through right now, you can buy those out there. Our team is out there. They'll help you with all of that. Sound good? Hey, it's been a good day. It has. And if you want to join a Connect group, you can always find all of our Connect groups on the Bridge app for every single Connect group in the church. Yes, and hey, don't forget our prayer teams will be down front and they would be so honored to pray with you if there's anything that you need prayer with, all right? We love you, church. Have an amazing week. We'll see you next Sunday.